Welcome to the E6 podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what is going on in the world, how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke. This is episode 68, and we were going to do 68 last week, but I went on vacation and you took the weekend off. I was on vacation as well, on Monday. We normally record this on Mondays, and it was a holiday, and we... We Cho- didn't do it. Chose not to overthink it. We you didn't know? do it. Just couldn't figure out a way to make the, the recording happen. So, um, yeah, it was either we did it way, way early, or yeah, I did get my house super late, vandalized, and there was <laughs> there was a uh, march uh, just in response to our lack of recording our, our weekly yes. podcast. Oh episode. yes, so yes. there was a there was a uh, groundswell. The, the picketing of, outside of was protest. awful. And complaining. <laughs> no, we didn't hear from anybody. So I'm not really sure that we were missed, but you know what? Let's keep going. I missed you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed you too, I missed man. you. Um, you went to South Padre with your did. family. We did, yeah. We took that 10-hour drive and turned it into 13 and uh, drove, <laughs> That's what drove a family does. all the way down and uh, you know, stopped entirely too many times. And actually, the kids did a great job. And So, uh, yeah. so the image I have in my head... Uh-huh. That I I really want you to try to paint for our listeners uh-huh. is when you shared with me, uh, standing on a on a very windy beach, <laughs> putting <laughs> spray sunscreen on your kids. Yeah, yeah. How'd that work out for your kids? It's, uh, <laughs> uh, I think they're all peeling at this point. Um, and it's, it's only been like five days, so they're they're struggling. Uh, yes, <laughs> when you get down there, it's it's one thing to like put sunscreen on, and you know. Uh, go to the pool or play in the sprinklers or whatever um, around around here. It's a little windy here, but it's not that big of a deal. You can it's you pretty can, windy here. I know, but you could still spray some stuff. Okay, but we get we get out there and open and, beach. Yeah, right. And and it was like it was like we we got an Airbnb and it was it. I think it said it was a half mile walk, and it was definitely not a half mile walk from from where we were to the to the sand and and the sand was great. It was gorgeous. Uh, the sun was out. It wasn't too extremely hot. And the wind was blowing, but the wind was blowing a lot. And so trying to put sun sunscreen on, you know, that's a, from a spray can in the uh, the crazy wind that it was, it was like you almost needed to spray it the other direction <laughs> and then let the wind carry it onto your body. And uh, so they, but they were, they had fun. They got to boogie board and play in the waves. The waves were bigger than we expected. And um, I don't, I don't know that I had an expectation really, but they were bigger than I thought. And uh, so the kids had fun and they were, they were out there for a solid four hours, just catching waves and tumbling and, um, you know, stepping on a shell and crying about it and, you know, and then getting back up and get back out to it again and literally burying themselves. Like I have multiple pictures of different children buried up to literally buried up to their heads and that's which fun. is always fun to be That's like, hey, fun. so can you feel the ants down there? <laughs> like, let me know if you feel the crabs because you like, wait till they're fully. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. To totally. Make it's that like, comment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can feel the crabs, but they come out, you know, and, and they, uh, they they might pinch you a little That's bit. It's just so. good fathering. Yeah. Yeah. So they had fun. And but you know how it is when you're out there, you know, you're out there and you're wet. So you don't feel yourself burning as much. And. <laughs> and everybody got fried real bad, and uh, so that's that was, not good fathering. Brooke. No, it was it was not. Um, I won't I won't take all the blame. There were four four parents there. Uh, my my parents came with us, and and uh, yeah, so we all missed it. And, I hear you. And they got fried. I've been there, man. <laughs> I have been there, but it was good. We had a great time. The kids had a blast. They loved the beach. Um, I'm glad you got to get down there. That is not our normal Wichita Falls world. 
Right. It's not South Padre Beach. It was funny because my mom looked at me at one point and and, uh, in growing up, my parents made a big deal of um, going on like a summer vacation. And uh, they put us in the car, which was like a a massive uh, Dodge van um, and then literally drive us all over the country. And so it was great. Um, I think gas was like 75 cents back in the day, um, you know, which which seems, you know, just insane. Yeah, that's just horrible right now. But uh, so they, they just drive us all over. But but mostly to mountains and things like that because that's what my mom just loves the mountains and so it was funny to be out on the beach and the kids are out running around and literally burying themselves in the sand which i don't think my mom would have been you know like not not gonna happen um i've, I've heard her so many times say oh but then you just get sand and everything and it's everywhere and it's back in the house and it's in your bed and it's in the shower and it's in all your shoes and it's in the car and and she looked at me and she was like what did i do wrong like <laughs> What did I do wrong that all of you want to be at the beach and none of you want to go to the mountains? That's I was like, funny. I don't know what to tell you. Like, maybe you went to the mountains too much. You know, and your family is, and I, I've only known you almost four years now, but your family loves to go to the beach. Uh, you've done the cruise thing yep. more than once. Yep. You like the lake. You like, uh, even, uh-huh. even when you go out to Branson where your family right. uh, often vacations, extended family. It's all around the water. It's around the water, yeah. Yeah, yeah I we, just, we I'm are, putting all that together now. We are water people. You're water people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Huh. So it was fun. We had a good time. It was nice. Uh, I got back just in time for the weekend, and so um, you know, driving back, it's always that like, okay, if we, you know, how long can we stay, and then I got to drive back and get to work, and uh, so this time we actually we. Came back a little early. Couldn't afford to stay longer, and so we came <laughs> home. And uh, and then, but then it was nice to have um, you know two three days over the weekend to just decompress, yes. and put things away, and relax. I'm telling you, um, all that, and, and I uh, share that exact same. We don't uh, normally do that. But. I think our first, like we've been married this summer, it'll be 29 years. Mm-hmm. I would venture to say the first half of our marriage. We were, and maybe it's just being young and thinking you don't need sleep and you can, you're going to live forever. <laughs> but we'd come home, you know, midnight, 1, 2 a.m. Right. The night before we had to go back to work or right. back to school or Ugh. back to, and like all the time, you know. I mean, I get it. Like you're trying to maximize it makes your time sense off in the and... moment and then you're fried, you know. Yeah. But what Literally we, what we have done really, I think for the most part, really well the last dozen plus years is is we come back a day or two early yeah. on purpose. And whether it's just doing laundry, catching up on a couple of yeah. errands, taking naps, it's just, it has changed my outlook on vacation planning. It's something know? I'm learning. Like, I'm not good at it because I'm it's like... It's still hard to do. My mom is like the uh, the, the the go, go, go. Like, we, yeah. I, I remember trips where it was like, literally that everything was planned out and it was like, okay, we're going to do this, but we got to go because it's time to go to the next thing and go, you know, and... Um, I don't, I don't function that way, but at the same time, I'm like, but if I'm here, I'm going to do stuff. And I think about like, um, you know, taking a cruise and, uh, there's this, uh, flow rider on the back, which is like this extreme surfing, extreme sports, like surfing thing. Oh yeah. And, and, um, and when you fall it, you know, you're getting hammered by the waves and it throws you back up the thing. And, um, but I would do it the entire time. Like <laughs> Garrick, would sit down with a book and sit out in the sun. And you just go and surf. I'm gonna go surf the whole time. And so literally I would surf for hours and hours and hours and I'm just beat up and I'm so exhausted. And then I get home and I'm like, I'm injured and you know, it's on them dealing with it, but I'm like, but I gotta, I gotta take advantage of the opportunity. Right. And so the last couple of vacations we've taken, it's like, 
Okay, I'm going to figure out how to like <laughs> not push myself to the limits just because I don't normally get to. Yeah. And I'm just going to relax. and that, that does. And it turns out, as it turns out, that's not a terrible idea. That does uh, make me think about a whole other subject matter that we aren't, I'm sure, aren't going to talk about today, but are, we're doing it wrong if we don't come back to this subject from time to time. I know Tanner's, uh, Tanner and I have talked quite a bit about this, and I think we've even talked a little bit on the podcast already, but about Sabbath and about just the biblical mm. mandate, I'll, I'll say it that way, the biblical instruction. It's not a suggestion. It's not a an idea that I believe was for a different time. It's for humanity for all time. It's, it's this instruction to rest and uh, to find to find rest, to find even even delight uh, apart from work and apart from the demands of life. And uh, man, I don't think as Americans culturally we do that well at all. Yeah, I think our vacations are, we just talked about it. our mm-hmm. vacations are go go go. Our vacations are right up to the last minute of yeah. possibility. Right. And then shocker, what what is the cliche that we say and hear all the time when we come home? Oh, uh, man. I need a vacation from vacation. Bam. Yeah, I'm I don't exhausted. Even to, I don't even have to, to tease you with it, right? It, well, okay, so I would I would make a distinction, right? For for me, um, putting Sabbath into into regular life. Yes. Like, to me, there's... There is, there's uh, I think there's an argument for vacation where it gives you an opportunity to get away and do something different. Right. For us, recreation. in a lot of ways, yeah, yeah, recreation. And that and that's what I like to do. Like, I'm yeah. going to go, I'm gonna, I want a wakeboard. I want to go ski. Go I want to do, go I want to surf. I want to do whatever. Yeah. I don't want to fish because that's boring. And I'm just trying to meet everybody <laughs> where they are. <laughs> I'm not going to go fish that's much right. either. Uh, I don't like fish. It's gross. Um, I love fish. But, you know, so so I think that, not that, not that, that, that Sabbath should not involve um, recreation in any way, but, but, um, I think there is like just, just some sort of a distinction between like in our, in our daily lives, like how are we resting? You know, how do we put that Sabbath into, um, not that every vacation should be, um, go read a book and, and, sure. um, and be in prayer for the whole time and sleep. And, but here's where those things come together is that, I think one of the most, I mean, there's multiple, multiple reasons why we don't practice Sabbath and we, we don't need to go down that road right. of, of so many different reasons. We don't practice Sabbath in our culture, but one of them is we don't have, is we tell ourselves we don't have time. Sure. And so that's where this idea of vacation has to overlap. Like if I've got X number of days or X number of weeks of vacation, that is part of the menu of options that I have to, mm-hmm. okay, how do I enter into a regular mm-hmm. Sabbath, Sabbath rest? I can't just use all my vacation time to go, 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 you know? And so that, right. that's where I think they overlap, but we are going down. What, what do you call them again? It's um, a it's tortoise, a, tortoise trails, tortoise trails. Yeah. That's what <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, but, uh, but again, I think, I think it's important to have that Sabbath and, but to find ways to build it into your normal life yes. and not just, yes. how do I use my vacation days? Because right. for people that don't get vacation days or whatever, it doesn't right. mean that you still shouldn't find some way yeah, to turn right. off your phone or turn off the TV or turn off the news or, um, get off social media or, uh, okay, well, whatever. Said a different way then. If I do believe this, if, if I am practicing Sabbath regularly, mm-hmm. which I've only had a few short seasons of my life where I've actually done that well. Right. But if I'm practicing Sabbath regularly, as in weekly, as in, in my regular rhythms, then 
I think my vacation could be a little more go, go, go. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's like I've given myself margin right. to to sprint in these other sure. endeavors, whether it's sprinting at yeah. work or Any, sprinting even, at play. But even giving yourself margin while you're doing those yes. things. Yes. Even know? giving yourself... Maybe that's where this all comes together is, <laughs> what does it look like to take your family on a fun vacation and still, and still have some rest. margin? That's you right. know, actually right. take a nap, actually get home in time to rest and clean up and yeah for re-entry that sounds that sounds like involving grandparents that's, it does <laughs> that may be the secret otherwise naps don't don't happen so. okay so i missed uh we we didn't record last week i missed the weekend because i was on the beach and yes. it was fun um but we had baptisms and so i got i went back in and got to watch a little bit of the video just to mm-hmm. just to see it but i think we had um, seven people baptized that's awesome that was over, really over fun two services uh but i really enjoyed i really enjoyed watching tanner um dunk folks and then get out of the tub and then walk over to the keys <laughs> yes. and play and play and he's, he's dripping he's, <laughs> he's, he's just like soaking wet from like the from like shoulders I, down i knew that was the he's plan and i still was shorts. like really is that what we're gonna do i didn't know that was the plan so watching the video i was like <laughs> wait i like zoomed in i was like he totally we, is he's we dripping had wet. we had two different parties <laughs> after the first service come up to me <laughs> I don't even know who said it directly to Tanner, but they came up to me separately and said, uh, I'm just watching Tanner over there just dripping on, and there's like electrical cords. In right? <laughs> all seriousness, I, I double checked and there was no danger there, but it, it, it was definitely a weird, weird deal. I, uh, I, I was joking was, about him I just being like really draped funny. in a towel, you know. And <laughs> That's right. Can you just wrap that towel around your we're waist pretty, and waddle We're pretty over casual there? at Colonial, and I feel like I feel like we just take it to new heights such, sometimes. Such high church, <laughs> such high church. I guess he was barefoot. Yes, he was. That's what. It's, I just barefoot thought it was funny. in his like, swim trunks, I don't, dripping, I don't playing care. a keyboard. I don't care. I just thought it was funny. It was just like <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I, I literally, I expected him to like do that, right? And somebody else, like Emily, was leading worship, right? And so it was like. She led worship, and and then oh, there he is in the keys. Like you I did, just thought he you did miss you did miss one of my comments. Um, that uh, I always feel funny because I don't know who's listening to our podcast episode, but <laughs> but in our baptism class, which is part of our preparation mm-hmm. for doing the baptisms, we want to talk through what does this mean, why are we doing it? Because um, we have people come to the baptism class all the time that don't end up getting baptized because they're just they're asking questions. They're oh, you know what. Yeah, I was already baptized. I thought this is something we do again, or um, yeah. all kinds of different yeah. you know scenarios. But one of the things we do in in kind of the final moments of preparation is okay. Here's the dates. Here's the times. Um, do you have a preference on who's going <laughs> Who to baptize you? Who do you want to baptize you? you? And that can be um, that can be a fa- we, Dad, we're, we're super laid back. Mom. Who's special to you, right. Spiritually, as a mentor right. or as a leader, it could be one of our pastors. Part of that's too is we we don't want anybody theologically to think well if, if lauren doesn't baptize him then, then it, it we didn't do it right or yeah. if jordan doesn't ba- i mean it's got it we, we really laid back about it and so one of the ladies we had several ladies baptized one of the ladies immediately goes oh can can tanner baptize me and and so we're like yeah sure and then the next person <laughs> if jordan was there would, he was like i would yes. like i would like tanner as well and then the next lady yeah, I would like Tanner as well. And the next lady, yeah, I, I choose Tanner. <laughs> just went Tanner, 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 Tanner. Tanner. And, and then so, there was, I'm sure there was some that were like, well, I guess that's who I got to do. I, it like, may have been that simple. And I don't know that that was explored, the reasoning behind it. But um, we just went with, okay, everybody wants perfect. Tanner to do it. I love it. 
And uh, I got no problem with that. It was awesome. None at all. It was fun to celebrate. Always yeah. fun to celebrate what that means because it represents just choices on people's parts to follow Jesus. Yeah. And so um, nothing magic happens in the moment in the water. We don't believe that. We, we do believe it's an outward expression of something really cool, really meaningful uh, on the inside. And uh, you can see it in the smiles and some of the pictures. I think we showed some pictures even yesterday, mm-hmm. a week later. Uh, really fun. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know that there's a good way to, uh, to transition into this. So I'm just going to do it. We talked about Emily leading worship, um, last week and she posed a, uh, she posed a, a thought before going into, um, into the music, uh, basically saying, if your voice went away, what would you do? How would you worship if, because I think a lot of times we get into this, uh, maybe a rhythm, maybe a rut that, um, that worship is the, is the music time of our service. And I think we've probably theologically taught that in, um, not, not in explicit ways, but, um, but passively taught that, okay, this is the worship time. And, and I don't mean specifically colonial, but like evangelical church, Protestant church is, um, you know, it's like we've, we, that's what we've called it. That's the worship pastor or the worship leader or, or whatever. And so we've kind of taught that. And so her, her thought was before we go into this, um, you know, how would you worship if you didn't have a voice? Um, not, not, I don't think she necessarily meant, uh, if you literally couldn't sing, um, because, you know, I think you could use sign language or whatever in some very different ways, but, um, but how would you worship if you just didn't have that voice to, to do Mm -hmm. this? Um, and, uh, and so we got a, we got, um, uh, I don't want to say a question, a response to the sent in from, uh, from Abby O'Reilly. Um, she, she, uh, she basically brought up the same thing and wanted to just kind of expand on that a little bit and share some of what she had gone through. So, um, in, in, in light of, uh, the shooting in Uvalde, uh, in Buffalo a couple of weeks prior, like in a world that we are, uh, you, you use the words tired, disillusioned, um, divided, uh, in, in recently more grieving, I thought this question, um, what, what Abby, or not question, but this, this thought that Abby had was, was really good. So I wanted to yeah, just, please just do share. put it out here. Yeah, so I agree with you. Uh, so Abby says, um, and bear with me, it's a little bit, it's long and I hope I don't, um, totally botch this up because I've read it a couple of times, but, um, in chunks, uh, I'd like to respond to Emily's question, which given the recent tragedy and the gravity of the weekend, this is, this is last weekend seems to be appropriate to talk about how do you worship? And if you lost your voice, what would you do? Um, Abby says, I was reminded of a year that I lost my mom in 2019. That year, my voice did leave me. I couldn't sing any of the songs. I couldn't even hum them. Something I heard in this last semester at Grief Share stayed with me. Even in our grief, uh, even our grief, excuse me, even our grief can be worship. The pain and the tears, if we direct them to God, are worship. Psalm 88 says, day and night, I cry out to you. You turn, uh, you turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with trouble. I'm just, rem- I'm just, I just remember thinking when I heard that, that even that could be worship. Thank God, because in that time of my life, the tears and the pain and the weight of the grief was all I had to bring 
when my voice failed me. Thank God that even in uh, thank God that um, that even that can be worship directed to Him. There are a lot of people who carry the weight of grief, especially this weekend, and this is a heavy, heavy weight to bear. But to know that God wants us to bring that too, and He will even see that as an act of worship when our voice fails us, our grief matters to God. Mm. What a comfort. Worship is not confined to singing along with a band on Sunday morning. Worship is everything you do, uh, to tur- in, uh, everything you turn back to God, even without a voice. Mm. And I just thought, in light of um, what our society is going through and the pain of losing children, um, I can't even imagine, nor do I want to. Um, you know, as she shared losing her mom, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. think about the things that Tanner has shared and losing his mom. Um, you know, I think about my brother and what he's gone through these last seven, eight months now, losing his, his bride. Of, right. Of, she, she passed at 45, just mm. um, all too soon. And I, I can, I can picture him. He, he, you know what? I can speak for him because we visited so much on this. He would tell you that he could not agree with Abby more. Mm-hmm. Just, I got nothing to bring to you, God, but my grief. And yet, because I'm bringing it to you, yeah, it's worship. It's, mm-hmm. it's dependence. It's, it's need. E- even that's what, that's part of what I hear Abby saying is even if we just bring our desperate need, mm-hmm. our helplessness to him, that in of itself is worship. It's yeah. acknowledging I need you. I, I've got nothing, you know? Uh, you know, uh, this this week um, in our series, um, The Origin Stories, continuing w- dealing with, uh, looking through Acts, um, you talked about adding, uh, don't add to the grace. Mm. Um, and to me, that that is that's, that sounds very similar. Um, mm. You know, when we feel like we have to be a certain way or act a certain way or say certain things in order for it to be worship. Mm. Um, in order for me to be able to worship God, I have to be singing these songs or I have to be singing at all. Uh, I have to be raising my hands or closing my eyes or whatever. That's us adding to um, what God wants for us. Mm. And what God wants is just for us to say, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not it. You I'm are. Not you. You are. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm not it, and I can't do this. I don't yeah, know how to do this. That's worship. You know. Um, speaking for myself, I. You know. That's. That's a lot of it for mm. me. When I get to a place where I'm like, I can't. I know I'm trying to do this on my own, and I mm. can't do that. Um, and even that is worship. It's. It's the surrender. Yes. It's the. Yes. It's the. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I get mm. it. I get it now. I'm sorry. I gotta. I gotta turn this over to you, and I gotta worship in a different way, and. Um, so how do we uh how do we do that when it hurts that much when mm-hmm. when we've lost something that's significant when we see tragedies like uh like these these mass shootings happen how do we turn that into worship in a way that i don't know um not necessarily is constructive but just is it well, is there's two different thoughts that come to mind one is what's going to come out of us naturally. And one, one, a different response might be a, a discipline, a, a choice to respond in a certain way, even if we don't naturally already feel it. The natural side of it is 
speaks for itself is if if I'm already grounded in my faith in him, if I'm already uh, connected to him, if I'm already surrendered to him, then when I'm overwhelmed with grief, when I'm overwhelmed with pain, my natural response is to run to him, to, mm. to draw close to him, to cry out to him. Um, even I would say to, to run to pe- other people who are dependent on him and, and my community. And so that's the natural side of it. I think the bigger question, the harder question is whether I'm not connected to him, I'm not surrendered to him, or maybe I'm just, um, not doing well <laughs> mm-hmm. in my, in my daily walk with him. I'm distracted. I'm, I've drifted from him. I'm, I'm doing things on my own and then I'm in pain. Then I'm overwhelmed with grief about what's going on in my life or in the world around me. The question then is how do we, how do we discipline ourselves beyond what's natural? Um, and I, I think that's, that's where arguably the dry experiences we sometimes have where we, we turn to him and we hear nothing back <laughs> and we question, uh, where we open up the Bible and are unmotivated or we don't know where to go. Um, I think that's the harder part. I would say that, um, I guess, I guess from there, the thoughts I have are, are twofold. One is, is individually, I, I, he is a relational being and he invites us to draw near. And I think that, um, in those moments where we have nothing, uh, even our faith is wavering and small at best. I think he invites us to draw near. And so to, I think being out in creation, I think opening up our Bibles, I think just crying out to him in prayer. Um, that's the discipline of doing it. Even if even if we don't feel his presence. I think that's worship. I think, I think, wow, this is a random thought. I think Lieutenant Dan at the top of the mast in Forrest Gump, you know, I'm a movie buff, so I just have images in my head. <laughs> and he's got, he's flipping the bird in the thunderstorm. Do you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite movie scenes because he is angry. He's lost his legs. He's, he's completely just lost and empty and and I guess angry is the key word and he's just screaming in this thunderstorm in the middle of the ocean at the top of a mast and literally flipping off God you know saying are you there come on you know mm. and I love the simple words of of the Forrest Gump character which says I think I think that night Lieutenant Dan made his peace with God he mm. just he brought his I think that's one of I think that prayer I know it's, I know this is sounding so weird to some people. I think that prayer of Lieutenant Dan in that scene with his middle fingers in the air is one of the most honest psalm-like prayers that I've seen on the big screen. Um I think God invites us even when we have nothing. I guess to, I guess to bring all that back around, I think that's worship. Mm. I think that's worship. And um that's individual. I think, I think also he invites us to, to lean into each other. He made us need each other. And I think there's something very God honoring and even worshipful about 
bearing each other's burdens. Um, that may not sound like worship because we're not, our attention in the moment may not be on him. It may be on another person, another human. But I think that there's something God honoring and arguably worshipful about in our pain, in our lament, in our despair, um, not just burying it down deep, but but crying on somebody else's shoulder and looking mm-hmm. for support in community. And certainly as Christians, leaning into other people, borrowing somebody else's faith. Um, that sound, that's a weird concept, but yeah. I think sometimes we don't have our own faith and we've, we've got to borrow somebody else's. And I think that's worship. So I appreciate Abby's honesty there, man, just speaking about loss and even something that happens you know, hundreds of miles away here in, in Uvalde, Texas can even spark Abby's grief again. You know, it speaks yeah. to, it's not just some national tragedy. It, it reminds us of how fragile life is. And um, if I can transition, uh, okay. we certainly aren't going to talk about gun control and what are the different, what are the different steps we can take? Um, you don't have all the right answers. I don't, I don't have a clue, so I'm not going to go there. But I will say this. You know, we, we briefly broached this before we hit record. Um, this does speak, you know, tragedy like this and a call to prayer and action, it does speak to how I've just observed the pendulum swing. Um, I think, you know, a, a majority of our country is really fatigued by thoughts and prayers, uh, by, um, and, and granted, I'm, the phrase. I'm picking on politicians and, and how, first of all, on a quick side note, I don't get thoughts and prayers. Like <laughs> we're not new age. We don't send our thoughts anywhere. We, and we don't even send our prayers to people. We pray to God. So I'm not really sure what the language of, of this whole thing is weird to me. Um, I've even heard Christian friends lately say, yeah, I'm going to send my prayers your way. Um, and I'm like, no, 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 don't send your prayers to God. Like, yeah. I don't even know what we're talking about, but it has become a normal common cliche to say thoughts and prayers after these mass shootings, um, or even mm-hmm. said better, maybe oh, I'm praying. And I think the pendulum has swung so far that especially non-Christians understandably are like, I don't want your prayers. I want you to do something, mm-hmm. change laws or change culture or change thinking or change steps of intervention. Something's got to change. And I agree with all that. But I also want to say, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's, we are people of prayer. We believe God is real. We believe God cares more than we do. We believe God weeps when we weep. Uh, Jesus was clear about his thoughts on innocent, helpless little ones, as well as all the other voiceless uh, marginalized people that he spoke for. Um, and we want to, we, we know we are called to crowd to him like little needy kids mm. and beg him for what we want, beg him for what we think we need, beg him to intervene. That is right. And that is good. And so prayers are good. The prayer of a righteous man will be, will be answered. The Bible says, um, we are to pray, but I, I totally, well, I think I get the the fatigue with, especially from non-Christians saying, okay, we don't want you to just pray. We want you to do something. And I I think maybe that's even a good transition into to this week, talking about 
Um, how do we disagree with each other on really hard subjects? What does it look like to act? You know, what does it look like to pray and to act? I mm-hmm. think that's the call of Christians in with these difficult subjects, especially around things that are emotionally charged and deal with the loss of life. You know, well, want, especially especially if you talk about you're talking about non Christians that don't believe what you believe. Yes, um, thoughts and prayers. In seem that, very in a, trite and it, empty. It feels very yes. inactive. Yes. Yeah. It. Yes. That's maybe that's that's a good word to use. Is we know that prayer is activity, mm-hmm. but we need to remember that to a non-believer, prayer is about as passive as it gets. Mm-hmm. Prayer to them, at worst, is is silly, ineffective, a joke, and at best, it's still sitting on our butts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's on our knees. It's not movement. It's not activity. We know it's activity because we believe God is active and we're, we're part of, of his transformational work. But I think w- we want to show the world that we care and, and w- what we value, um, who we value. And so we, man, we've got to just pray for, I'm praying for wisdom. I, I think this brings this issue of mass shootings that just continues. I was in Denver just a few miles from Columbine when that happened, mm. you know, back in the day, it's just, it just continues to happen. It's continuing to have conversation around it. And man, it, it's an overwhelming subject. What do we do? There's 400 million guns in our, our country. Um, our crime rate is off the charts compared to a lot of places. And there it's very complicated. It's anybody who gives it a real simple, you know, solution. It just gets, it gets almost silly and, and aggravating, you know, um, but part of our role is as Christians is to pray, pray that God would intervene, pray for wisdom on our part and pray for direction on how to act. I mean, I, I love our first radical minimum. God, what are you saying? And what do you want me to do mm. about it? So our prayer should lead to action. Um, and I'm glad that you've promised to just put this really succinctly and wrap it up in a bow for us, Brooke. <laughs> so it's a both hand. Yes. It's both and. Maybe that's where I'm trying to land. It's both and. Um, let's come to God as we are, desperate, prayerful. Which um, is worship. Which is worship. And and let's pray for wisdom and, and direction on how to act. Hmm. And let's let's really strive to do both. Even at the risk of disagreeing with each other on how to act. Yeah. I, I think that's maybe trying to tie these this all these thoughts together for Max 15 is um, how do we deal with there's going to be very different opinions on how to act in these situations. And let's give each other a lot of grace on we're all bringing different wounds and life experiences. And, um, yeah, I'll stop there. (laughs) Well, that, that leads us to the controversy in acts 15 that you, uh, that you talked about this past weekend. Um, in, you know, and, and then ultimately how they how they had to deal with it. Um, so the controversy being that um, the uh, Jewish leaders of the of the early church, um, or some of them, felt like the Gentiles, the people that were not Jews that were now following Jesus, um, had to conform to the Jewish law mm-hmm. in order to actually be worshiping and following Jesus. And therefore, and then Paul and Barnabas um, standing up and saying, no, 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 
no, no, no, that's not that's not accurate. Disagreeing vehemently. Yes, yes. I, I, I looked it up just because I was like, okay, I just want to make sure. And and so the dictionary says that uh, that's forceful, passionate, and with intense uh, with intense manner, with great feeling. So not just sitting around saying, no, nah, man, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's right. Like that to me screams like standing up, going, no, stop, no, no, that's wrong. Like. I, obviously, I wasn't there, but um, but to, for the for the Bible to be translated into, they were arguing vehemently. Yeah. Uh, that's not just a quick disagreement. That's a we are we are very much different sides of this coin here, and uh, and and not just going to be easily swayed to the other. Listen, listen to the different English translations of that passage. So we read the NLT. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with him, arguing vehemently. Uh, the ESV, English English uh, Standard Version, which is a very, very good word-for-word translation, says, and after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, <laughs> no small dissension, uh, the message paraphrased, Peterson, Eugene Peterson paraphrases like this, Paul and Barnabas were up on their feet at once in fierce protest. <laughs> I, well, I mean, if you if you think about the last the last couple of years, like we know what that looks like. Yes, we do. And maybe it's not the exact same thing, but fierce protest is. Yes, that's not a. Hey, I'm raising my hand. Excuse me. Excuse me. Hold on. Could I talk for a second? I disagree. <laughs> that's a. That's a. Uh, you know, putting your foot down. Yes. So I, I thought that was interesting. Just the, the way that it, it translates that, like that doesn't say. This is a quick and easy thing. Right. And then ultimately to say, okay, um, we're going to have to send you back to the apostles and elders of the church, to the main guys, to the bigwigs, to mm-hmm. say, okay, we can't figure this out. What's the deal We here? disagree. Yeah. Somebody else has got to step in and say something because this is not going to work right. if we can't come to, an, to, to something. Right. And to then literally pack them up and send them back across the sea— Mm-hmm. And say you go over there, and hopefully we'll see you again sometime. Yes. I, I know that's not to your. Uh, just to clarify, they didn't go across the sea; they just went due south down the land. But sorry, but nobody nobody cares. I'm I don't just, have the I'm just making sure nobody's nobody's you know twitching <laughs> as they're listening. They went due south, but you're, they went. They tr- had. To, you're right. They they took this so seriously. Um, I would argue they took unity so seriously mm-hmm. that they they said, okay, we've got to resolve this. Or said a different way, you could argue they took what does it mean to be a Christian so seriously? Uh, this was not, hey, should I wear this or should I wear that? Yeah, you know, this was at the heart of Christianity. Right. What what is required to to step into uh, relationship with God? What is required to be saved? Um, and so central, for sure. And it's, if you look back, and of course this is early on, but if you if you look, you know, read the rest of Acts and and the the letters that Paul writes to uh, uh, to all the churches throughout, like that kind of travel was risky, you know, maybe maybe not that specific trip, but but he takes a lot of risks and ends up in a lot of really rough situations, and then to say, all right, well we gotta we gotta go and figure this out, and then uh, and then to to, to bring the to bring the big guys, the big guns in, and say, "Okay, we we got to figure this out," and for them to sit down and and uh, and and work through it. So, what do we um, what do we need to take away from this? Because I think when you look at um, when you look at our world, 
our, our you used the pendulum earlier. Um, we, we, we don't like the swinging of the pendulum. We like the one side or the other. And, and so we, we, we don't disagree well. We don't, um, we disagree and then go our separate ways, never to talk to each other again. Mm -hmm. You know, I can think of people that, um, whether it's on us or on them or on both, that we disagreed on something pretty big and I don't talk to them anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? Not because I wouldn't be cordial with them or polite to them or 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 whatever, but it's just you know it's like uh, I don't know I don't know how we continue right you know well I tell you what let's do this because um, I think if we go down this road right now about about which I really what I think you and I want to talk about which is how do we disagree without dividing okay. how do we let's finish with that I I don't want to I don't want to leave out a couple key aspects of digging a little deeper from okay. this teaching dig in. Um, I think one thing to grab a hold of with what we read in Acts 15, the first half of Acts 15, is that this is all about salvation. This is not on the secondary or tertiary level of, of lesser things to argue about. This is a big deal. Um, and so, first of all, let's recognize Yes, they took it really seriously, and they fought for unity. They fought for resolution, but it's because it mattered so much. Mm. Um, and so I, a couple thoughts from John Stott, who's a, just a brilliant theologian. He says, on one hand, um, there's a couple lessons here. He says, on one hand, salvation by grace is an issue of Christian truth that is never to be compromised. So let, let's just grab a hold of that. Just like, just like we heard um, Peter say, it, that we all are saved the same way. Yeah. It's the un, it's by the undeserved grace of Jesus. This is central. Back to that, not adding anything to the right. Grace. Don't add anything to it. And so, so Stott says, there's no particular work of the law, the Jewish law, the biblical law, uh, that was added as a requirement for salvation or for for membership, if you want to call it that, in the community in this in this new community. So that's clear. Um, but here's the other thing that we didn't really talk about yesterday that I think Stott brings this out. He says there's a second lesson. Um, there's also the lesson that Christian fellowship, that's connection amongst believers to me. That's what that means. Christian fellowship means that grace should be shown for differences that are not central to the truth of salvation as an expression of love. I think that captures so much. You could you could even say that's everything you and I have to say today and next week. <laughs> <laughs> Christian fellowship means that grace, back to grace, grace should be shown for differences that are not central to the truth of salvation as an expression of love. This deference preserves the church and protects it from fragmentation. This is what prevents the church from splitting. It's what prevents people from leading, leaving in a huff. It's what prevents people from fighting to the point of ending relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he talked, I, I never read this before, but uh, John Stott points out that Martin Luther back in the day spoke of Paul as being hard, even adamant on the gospel, but soft and flexible when it comes to love. And I never heard it said quite that way, but that man, that makes sense. Paul was hard nosed, mm-hmm. un uncompromising when it comes to understanding the power of the gospel that is grounded in grace. Mm. Paul's the one who wrote to the Ephesians, man, we, we can't brag about anything. 
that our salvation is a gift from God. We, we can't boast about it. It's not our, we haven't worked hard enough to earn it. It is a gift. It's a free gift from God. But Paul was also incredibly soft and flexible about love and compromising in secondary matters. And, uh, and we're going to get into that little teaser. We're going to get, if we, that's why we're going to keep studying our origin story for just a few more weeks before at the movies is we're going to get into a little bit of, okay, look at, okay, that's not worth fighting about. Okay. Okay. That's not worth fighting about what, what's essential. What are the essentials? What are the things we're going to die on a hill about? And let's agree to disagree in love on a lot of other things. I think that's, that's going to be a big deal mm. as we move forward. Um, I think it also, another, another lesson that I see from the first part of Acts 15 that we didn't talk about yesterday is it just speaks of the character, the, the spiritual maturity of these leaders we read about. Um, you know, they didn't have throwdowns and get all hurt and call each other names and, and break up the band, (laughs) you know, they fought for unity. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, for example, traveled down to the Jerusalem church and they didn't come down at least with what we read and break in and start yelling. And they, they came in and, and sought to understand, uh, Peter's the one that stepped up and very graciously talked about, this is what God's up to. This is what I see. And then Paul and Barnabas step up and very graciously, this is how we see God at work. This is how he's confirming his power. And then James steps up and graciously points out, this is what the scripture says. And, and this is where we're grounded in what we understand about who God is and how he feels and what he, how he sees the world. And I think it speaks, were they always that way? No, we can, we can go back to earlier stories of Paul, the formerly known as Saul and murdering Christians and Peter denying Jesus. And, but these are, these are more mature, uh, pictures of these, these men, um, that ultimately all united around this fact, as long as the gospel is not compromised, uh, diversity of opinions can be expressed. Diversity of expression of faith can be expressed. In fact, that's the last, last lesson I want to add that I think even speaks a little bit to there. We got another email I want to address, but it speaks to that is, is we can dwell a lot on the, the controversy was stated in such a way that this seems to be all about, Hey, what do the Gentiles have to do to be saved? Is it okay if they don't practice as Jews? Is it okay if they're not circumcised or they need to jump through all the hoops that need to become good Jews? And the answer that came down through all this was nope, nope. There's freedom in Christ. There's freedom that the Gentiles don't have to become Jews. That's not, Mm-hmm. what is required of them to be saved. But the other side of that same coin is easily missed. Hey, the Jews can still practice their Jewish faith as long as they find salvation in Jesus by grace alone. But you know what? Hey, we're, we're not only asking this group over here that, hey, you, don't, you guys don't have to become Jewish. We're also looking to this group over here. Hey, you guys keep practicing your Jewish cultural faith, your, the ways that you find yourself distinctive, set-apart people by God. Just know that the only way to find salvation is through Jesus. Yeah. And so there's freedom of expression. Hmm. I don't know that we non-Jews think about that. Hey, there's freedom yeah. for my Jewish friend to continue to express his faith and, and, and experience his faith in that Jewish way 
with such rich Jewish heritage and culture and history. But we, the one thing we're not going to compromise on is that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, and that's the, you know, that goes back to, um, what was a couple of weeks ago when, when Paul stands up and, um, and connects the dots, right? He gave the history lesson. He didn't say you need to turn away from everything you've ever known. Right. Paul never tells the Jews to do that. Right. He says, Jesus never told the Jews. Everything is leading up to this point. And this is the guy that everything you've known is leading to. Yes. Which, and I had never thought of that, but, but in this context, now he's, he's, that that freedom of expression never said, "Oh, if you're a Jew, by the way, you need to turn away from everything you've ever known. You just need you just need to understand that Correct. it's all pointing to this one thing." Absolutely. Hmm. That brings me. I want to I want to pull out an email that we got from um, uh, a good friend Jessica. I'll just give her your, her first name. Uh, I'm going to read part of her email, and she makes she raises a good question. She says, "Hey, Lauren, you invited pushback, so here I am with some pushback." <laughs> um, I actually, in fairness, the door. in fairness, Jessica and everybody else who's listening, I, I gave you my email address at thodges <laughs> at colonialchurch.com. I don't know how this found my inbox. Um, seriously, forward it on. <laughs> she writes, uh, I'm just going to read part of her email. Uh, she says, I'm curious what you meant by saying that Jesus was starting a new institution with this new group of people. My concern is that I think many hear new institution and hear new religion. Instead of seeing the church as a new institution, I wonder if a further fulfillment would be a clearer way to put it. So instead of the, she, she's proposing, instead of the word institution, to use the word fulfillment. She, reads, she writes, I see more and more that Jesus truly came to fulfill what Yahweh was always calling, inviting, and covenanting, covenanting with humans about. Uh, I'll skip a little bit down. She writes, Gentiles are grafted in and our roots are through the Jewish people. Unfortunately, I think our modern church thinking starts with the Reformation, and anti-Semitism has run rampant in Protestant traditions due to this misunderstanding and Mm. not knowing our church history. Man, Jessica raises a couple of good points. First of all, um, I knew that when I used the word (laughs) institution, (laughs) I might lose some people. Um, I think institution, first of all, can be easily confused associated with the word institutional uh and it's funny how language changes i don't know that that was meant to be a negative but i think the term institutional has really become a negative thing because it's it speaks to what the pharisees did they institutionalized Mm -hmm. the sabbath for example and jesus comes along going no no no. the sabbath was made for humanity not we weren't made for the sabbath it doesn't rule us it um and they got all, you know, out of been out of shape if you did the wrong thing on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, you are missing the gift that the Sabbath is supposed to be. Mm. They institutionalized it. They dried it up, is another way of saying yeah. it. They they made it dry and legalistic. Um, and in that sense, oh my goodness, you know, we are not a new institution. Um, I think there's a lot of anti-institutional thought and opinion in the world today. Mm-hmm. Uh probably and especially in the last couple generations toward government toward trust n- of institutions toward now even yeah. the church you know because yeah. of, of leaders who've who've failed uh, in public awful ways still um, so in that regard it's maybe not the best word choice but but I do want to read I, I I actually um, I'm not that smart and I read this out of one of the commentaries that um, if I can pull this up here one of the commentaries that I used to study the scripture 
and he says it better. Daryl Bach is a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. Oh my goodness, where did it go? I lost my way here. You know, you think you're ready to speak to these things. Here we go, here we go. And he just talks about how in Acts 13 and 14, um, James is referring in the scripture to how the Old Testament says, you know, God is going to take from the Gentile people, uh, he's, going to, he's going to find the, his people amongst the Gentiles, um, and the people of God, that's the term that's used in scripture, the people of God. Uh, Daryl Bach writes that the people of God are now found in the new entity God has formed in the church. Uh, this is the birth of a new expression of God's people 2,000 years ago. Um, this passage in Acts 15 is not entirely about Israel. It addresses the rebuilt David, Davidic house and the new kingdom work Jesus started. Uh, this, here's, the, here's the key sentence. This new community, this new community of Christians, is in continuity with the promise made to Israel of the past, but it is a fresh work and results in a new work and institution. So forgive me, I did, I did rip that term off right out of somebody, somebody's work that's way smarter than me. He's trying to say, here's how I would phrase it. Maybe instead of that word instrument, and I think it is tied to fulfillment of what you're talking about, Jessica, is that God has used different instruments for his purposes. God used particular people in the past, he does today, as his instruments uh, Jesus was even theologically, you could argue this, Jesus was the instrument of our salvation. But he's used different people over the years as instruments. He has used the people group of the Jews. This has been his plan for so long to reveal, through which to reveal to the world his heart, his, his himself, um, his redemptive plan. You could theologically argue that as of a couple thousand years ago, as of the death and resurrection of Jesus and, the, and specifically the gift of the Holy Spirit to his followers, that the new instrument of his rescue, the new instrument of his message of the gospel, it's no longer the Jews, it is the church. And that's what I meant, that's what I mean by saying that there's a new there's a new movement. There's a new community. There's a new people of God. And it's not just this, this tribe. It's everyone who loves, follows, surrendered to Jesus. Um, how is the world going to know about Jesus? Well, it's not, it's not the mission of this particular tribe or that particular tribe. It's all of us. It's mm -hmm. the church. So that's what I mean. Um, and, I, and I know Jessica well enough to know that we're on the same page. She's, I think she's got a special heart. Uh, that's heavy for, she even mentions, mentions anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. we, we as Christians have got some awful, um, controversial at the very least, <laughs> uh, <laughs> historical moments where we have, um, we have forgotten how God has used the Jews to save us, <laughs> um, how God has revealed himself to the world through the Jews, how God has a special place in his heart for the Jews still. Um, there's there's still passages we cannot ignore a bunch in the old Testament that talk about the national restoration of Israel that will happen one day. And I, I am not an expert in that area and I am not going to, I'm not going to blow that off and I'm not going to expand on it. Um, but there's still a lot in scripture that points to 
uh, yes, there's a new institution. There's a new, there's a new instrument of God that he is using primarily as his redemptive work in the world. And that is the church of Jesus. That is the church. It's not the Jews. It is the church. But, um, man, there's some, there's some strong arguments from different really smart people that study the scripture that, uh, Israel still matters that God is, is going to continue his work through the Jewish people, that God is going to restore the nation of Israel. Paul even writes about it late in Romans, and I don't totally get it. That's not my area uh, of expertise. I do want to come back to Jessica's email, email and read this second part, because I think this, this speaks a little bit to where she's coming from. She says, I just see so much meaningful truth in retracing these roots and embracing more of Jesus's Jewishness and his disciples' Jewishness, like you mentioned in the sermon. I never hear Jesus call for them to abandon their Jewish calling, which they were to see as a gift. And I could not agree with Jessica Moore. Uh, Later on, she writes, I think showing how Jews and Gentiles fulfilled Yahweh's call to partner with him in unique ways while still maintaining fellowship together speaks to our current climate of controversy and diversity in the body. And how instead of separating and dividing, we're actually supposed to maintain fellowship and love each other by putting the needs of the other before our own instead of being offended by someone else's walk with Yahweh. Hmm. Man, I love how she put that. Um, So, Jessica, I'd love to talk to you about that more. I know this is not an exhaustive uh, answer, and it's certainly not a two-way conversation. So I look forward to that. Jessica and Brett and her family were friends, and um, I'd love to talk to you about that more. But... First of all, thank you for pushing back a little bit, asking for some clarity. Uh, Secondly, thank you for reminding all of us that we cannot give up on our Jewish roots. We're studying our origin story. It started in Jerusalem. It started in Israel. It started with with Jesus. God could have come and incarnated himself in Rome as a Roman. (laughs) Could have incarnated himself... You know, 2,000 years later in America as a Texan, he could have done anything he wanted to, and he chose uh, very purposefully to come through the Jewish people, to come through the lineage of David, um, and, and we cannot throw that out or, or fail to see how, how unique and meaningful that is. And here's where maybe it ties to moving forward. Um, we're going to finish Acts 15 next week, and we're going to see a little bit more about James. James doesn't just finish where we stopped in, in 19. He, it, the last verse we read yesterday was verse 19 where he says, hey, don't make it hard for these Gentiles to turn back to God. Mm-hmm. You, guys are, you guys are overcomplicating it. But what I didn't even talk about yet is he, he actually keeps going. <laughs> they keep talking about... They actually send a letter, spoiler alert, they send a letter back with Paul and Barnabas to Antioch. Hey, here's the resolution to this big conflict. Here's what we're laying down as the agreement we're landing on. And here's how we're going to move forward as one big capital C church. And he actually gives them some requirements. This is going to cause some cognitive dissonance for our listeners if you're paying attention. <laughs> Don't add anything to grace, but he still does add a little, hey, hey, don't do this, don't do that, and don't do this. He actually adds some requirements. So we're going to unpack that a little bit as to why he did that, what that means for us as Christians. It's grace and grace and grace and grace alone. 
but also he gives a little bit of requirements for us that, that I hope that even provides a little bit of tension. Um, but it's tied to what has God already promised in Scripture? What has God already stipulated all the way back to Noah? So that'll be enough for me to, to speak to at this point. And if you're a little bit confused, that's okay. We're going we're gonna <laughs> to continue to unpack this together next week. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think we could, we could continue talking about ways that, that we, we disagree and, um, and handle it poorly or, or whatever. Um, I actually had uh, a couple of different podcasts that I listened to this week as we were, um, we were driving across the massive state of Texas that takes forever. And uh, uh, there was a couple of different examples that I was like, wow, they, they, are, they are, are in some cases passionately disagreeing with each other and still love each other and come out on the other side going, hey, yeah, we're still buddies and we're still, mm. we're still hanging out. So um, we, we could keep going, but we should wrap this up and then we could continue. Can, can I tease a book? That's what and I was, that's, oh, God, man. I swear, I you just I never read. let me finish. You know what? I disagree. Can I finish? I disagree with you. Can I finish? <laughs> just trying to model, you know, disagreeing. Yeah, with that's right. Friends. I disagree. Um, what are we disagreeing about again? I don't remember. Uh, anyway, so you, we, we can continue that conversation next week, but uh, um, as as now you have interrupted me, and I was trying to seamlessly tell you that there's a book that you would love us to talk about. Well, um, at the very least, I want to tease you about a book that we're going to talk through a little bit next Monday. We might even, I guess the disclaimer is, depending on how far we get, we might even take a couple Mondays to talk about this. Uh, some of you more ambitious types might want to get this book in your hands via Amazon the next couple of days this week and, um, and read through it or at least start it. It has been one of my favorite reads of the last year. It has been easily the most thought-provoking book I have read to date on disagreeing. Uh, it is called Winsome Conviction. The subtitle is Disagreeing Without Dividing the Church. Uh, a couple of authors from California. One is a professor at Biola University. It's a solid Christian university. Uh, and uh, the other author is a professor uh, at Talbot School of Theology, also out uh, connected to Biola, also out at... Uh, in California. Uh, but it's called Winsome Conviction, Disagreeing Without Dividing the Church. We'll put the, the book title in the show notes, uh, maybe with an Amazon link. If yeah, we can get over we do fancy things like that? We okay. do. I just want to read a quick excerpt from this book, uh, and then if you want to read it this week, listeners, uh, just know that we're going to talk about it uh, at least next Monday, if not the next couple. You can you can uh, send in a thought. You can send in a question, be a part of the conversation. Uh, in the introduction, and I'm just going to read a couple snippets out of this, the authors say uh, that the truth is that any attempts to follow Jesus often lead sincere Christians in different and seemingly incompatible directions. While your disagreement with the person sitting in the pew in front of you or a Christian colleague at an organization or school uh, may not concern something as dramatic as impeaching a president or defunding the police, or he, he, he could have listed all kinds of controversies there, right? He continues to write, we all know what it's like to be angry and disappointed with the conviction of a fellow believer. This really resonates with me. He says, the only thing more difficult than discussing Christian convictions in the public square is discussing them with fellow believers in the church. <laughs> Our disagreements with fellow believers are more problematic more emotionally charged. Um, let me see if I skip down a little bit. 
Uh, let me maybe just wrap this up with the thought at the end of this introduction here. He says, this is really to the heart of, of what I believe too. Brooke, you and I both feel this way. I know we've talked about it. Um, as the toxic polarization and division that characterizes contemporary culture creeps or even floods into the church. Oh my, are we not experiencing that, Brooke? Mm. Let me start that sentence over. As the toxic polarization and division that characterizes contemporary culture creeps or floods into the church, it's not enough to merely consider the formation of convictions. We must also learn how to have productive conversations about our convictions. Said a different way, this is Lauren talking, not the authors. The what really matters, the what we believe, the what we think is right really matters, but the how matters a ton. The how we talk about it, the how we disagree with each other, the how we decide to respond mm -hmm. to these strong opinions and convictions really matters. What comes to mind is 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, you might know all this stuff. You might be right on. But if you don't have love, it is a clanging symbol. It is off-putting. It is divisive. And so um, I, think, I think back to Acts 15, it's not just what is true. It's, it's how do we work through it, and it's how do we love each other and extend grace to each other along the way. Um, what are the essentials? We, we dig in and don't compromise on, and what are what is the much longer list, by default, the much longer list of things that we're going to agree to disagree on and, and, and fight for listening to each other well and uh, being open to new ideas, new convictions, uh, and even choosing to disagree and, and love each other along the way in the end. So uh, I'm excited about next... Uh, Monday's conversation. I'm excited this week. I'm going to reread this book myself. Um, knowing Brooke, you're going to, you're going to listen to it at 4.5 speed <laughs> and finish by lunch today. Um, <laughs> uh, lunch, lunch is, lunch is a little too close for that. Uh, I know a couple of our elders have read this book. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to invite their thoughts into it as well. Might even, might even try to spontaneously get another guest or two this next week to talk about it. But, um, I just invite this kind of conversation I think that, um, can, I, can I be this real? Uh, I wanted to talk about disagreeing without dividing the church when we started the podcast. I think, Brooke, you and I have privately expressed some dissatisfaction with our podcast experience, specifically because we said at the beginning, this is going to be a forum, a platform, for us to actually debate some things and maybe even share everything from doubts on certain matters to disagreements on certain matters, bring in some outside voices that think differently, that challenge. And um, I think understandably as a result of how polarizing our culture has become the last couple of years, uh, we, I'll speak for me, I have been very reluctant to go down that road, you know, and I love that without even trying, we're into, we're in, we're studying acts. And we're into acts. Oh, look what happened in the early church. They started disagreeing about some hard things. How did they handle that? What did they decide is, is foundational and important for not compromising? And what did they decide that there's room for some different expressions there and different opinions? And, um, and I love that it's, 
it's kind of naturally causing us to crack open a book like this and, and maybe risk, risk a little bit with our, our listeners and with our people. So do you have any comments on that? It, can you comment on your frustration, your impatience with us kind of getting to this place of honest conversation? Uh, I mean, if that, those are the kind of conversations that, um, dare I say, I enjoy um, to a degree. Like, like, let's get down to the, to the, real, to the real stuff. Um, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes when, we, when we just breeze past things that are uh, important to the world around us, um, mm. it, it, you know, sometimes it feels like surface-level um, stuff. Right. So, right. so yeah, I mean, to, but it, but again, at the same time, like it's real easy to miss the nuance that are involved in so many of these conversations mm. that the world is, is that our, literally our society is, is steeped in right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. just, just in the last week, obviously there's the, the shooting, um, in Buffalo, there's the shooting in Uvalde there. So, so therefore gun, gun rights versus gun control, right? So yeah. you can have those conversations. Sure. Um, we, we, we talked about abortion a couple of weeks back, um, you know, as, as we don't even know where that's going and, and, and it's, you know, forced right back into our conversation. Um, mm-hmm. I listened to a podcast this week that they were talking about, um, student loan, d- uh, debt forgiveness. And so it's like, there are so many other things that, that are, are out there and are just really difficult to talk about when we stay with our pendulum right. where it's like, I'm either over here or I'm over here and there's never time for it to swing in the middle for it to be here and, and, and have that, that nuanced conversation in the middle. So I think that's, what's difficult. And, um, and, uh, what, what I look forward to is like, how do we find those? And, and it's even, it's, you know, as I, as I read books and, and, and the scriptures and listen to podcasts and things like that. And I I think, okay, am I just regurgitating what I've heard Mm. or am I able to have a nuanced conversation about this as well? Right. You know, is there a, yeah, but, these things or both and, or, you know, those, those kinds of like, it's not a black or white, it's gray in a lot of ways. And so, um, yeah, those are, those are tough conversations. And, and I think in a lot of ways, our society has, um, has primed us to not be able to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. to hear what we want to hear and be done. Yeah. I turned it off. I'm not going to finish the podcast. I'm not going to come back to church or I'm not going to talk to this person again, or I've blocked them on Facebook or whatever. And so we've, we have primed ourselves to not be able to have these conversations and do them well. Mm. And, uh, and so that's where, that's where it gets difficult. And hopefully we can figure out ways to break down that wall and, and have those conversations even when we disagree. And, and part of me, oh, dare I say this? Uh, longs for some people modeling it for us. Yeah. You know, I mean, who can who can anybody who's listening right now? Who could you name that models disagreeing really well, like loving well, listening well, speaking truth boldly, but being teachable? All all aspects of it. And I I would just venture to say I'll bet most of us can say mm, I don't know anybody. I I know I know you know, a spokesman for this idea and boy, they are hard lined on it. And I know a spokesman for this opinion and they are adamantly that this is what's true, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, thankfully I have a couple people that come to mind, but oh, I, this is what I meant by dare I say it. I want you and me to, 
strive to model that? Like, how can we, even in our conversation next Monday, how can we model, this is what it looks like to, to listen well, to be teachable, to be open, but to be grounded in what we believe to be true, but what we believe the scriptures to say, to contextualize things, um, to, to, to wrestle with nuance, with gray, uh, man, so much, so difficult, so difficult. Yep. So, uh, we'll see what happens next week <laughs> and, and maybe we might have to tackle this over the course of the next two or three weeks. Cause I, I joked one and then I joked one or two. Now I just said two or three. I, I want to do this justice. I want to do this sure. subject justice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have to wrap it up because we just keep talking. Um, so we're going to, we're going to pause here and, uh, and come back next week. Um, nobody has any vacations planned for next week that I'm aware of. So I'm aware of let's do it, man. Let's keep (laughs) going. Come right back to it. So, um, thank you to, uh, those of you that sent in stuff this week, um, whether it was through email or, uh, you emailed the podcast or you fill out the, the, the form on the, on the app. Um, thank you for doing that. Uh, we, we love having your thoughts and stuff, uh, mixed in here as well. So, Okay, we'll wrap this up. This is the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church. Always, you can get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com, or you can go to the App Store, the Google Play Store, and download our app. We'd love to hear from you, just like I said. So send us your questions, send us your feedback, send us your thoughts um, as we talk about um, continuing to figure out how to disagree with each other. And um, podcast at colonialchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We will disagree again next week. Have a great week, everybody.